What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first post-Super Bowl DWA podcast. A lot to cover today. Just to jump into a couple things, I want to start by saying fuck the Patriots. Even though I did think that Super Bowl was a, a really great game to watch and it was probably one of the better ones I've seen in my lifetime, obviously fuck them. We didn't want them to win. Hope they never win again. But on the plus side, we do now have a Super Bowl winning head coach in our mix, right? So, well, he's won a couple with the Patriots, but... I mean, Flores very clearly displayed why he was in the running for this job. You know, they shut down what some people would, would say the best offense in the league, definitely a top five offense in the league, uh, to three points in the Super Bowl. And they did it, quite frankly, like without a lot of big name players in the front seven. They held that Rams team to, to not being able to run the ball, to not being able to, to get the short passes off, which is just, I mean, a phenomenal job. I, I hate it, right? But you got to give credit where it's due. Like, they did very well. So, thank God that guy's uh, on our side now. That being said, uh, he did bring in some people, right, so far. Our coaching staff isn't fully set in place, so I don't want to fully dive into it yet. But what I do want to talk about heavy today is what our offense might look like under Chad O'Shea or O'Shea. I'm not really sure. I'm going to call him O'Shea for now. I apologize in advance to everyone listening if you're screaming your heads off right now because I'm saying it wrong. But just some food for thought on what we can hopefully expect uh, from him going forward. So first things first, a little bit of history. He has been the Patriots wide receivers coach since 2009. He does have a little bit of experience prior to that. I think it was with the Vikings right before he came over to New England. But for the most part, um, you know, in New England for a long, long time. So Kind of a staple of, of what they've done there is presumably going to be a little bit of his style. So first and foremost, being that receivers coach, hopefully we can expect to see a similar style of play from our receivers that they have seen over the last couple of years. And when I think about New England over the last couple of years, um, you know, a couple of players stand out like, you know, Brandon Cooks had that had that one solid year when he was there. But for the most part, the guys that really stand out as a model of consistency, you know, Danny Amendola, who is a Dolphin now, presumably, you know, if we keep him this year, uh, Julian Edelman, you know, Chris Hogan, who unfortunately we let go out of training camp years ago, has been very, very solid there. Some of these guys that just came out of kind of nowhere to be very elite athletes. You know, you don't think of them as the number one receivers in the league, yet they get it done time and time again. And more specifically, the way they get it done. So the way they get it done is just, it's crisp route running. It's always fighting for that extra mile. It's catching everything that comes their way. It, it reminds a lot of like a Steve Largent back in the day, and not just because he's the only other white receiver I could think of, right? But more specifically, like the way they played the game, they know how to find holes in the zones. They know how to separate and get coverage uh, or separate from the coverage, I should say, when it's one-on-one in that man. They know how to run their routes crisp, clean. They know when to break on the ball, and they're always falling forward. If you look at a typical New England offensive game plan, so much of it is that receiver catching the ball either at or behind the line of scrimmage or only one, two, or three yards you know, past it and falling forward or, or picking up that, that extra yak or rack, however you want to refer to it, on that route. I mean, I would even go as far as to look at guys like a Gronkowski, you know, who's used more of a receiver than anything, or even look back at an Aaron Hernandez, who, despite all the off-the-field bullshit, I truly believe was you know one of the most talented players I've ever seen on that Patriots team, if not the most talented. Just the way these guys get open 
the way they catch everything that goes their way, the way they fight for the ball, the way they just have such great body control. These are all things that, you know, O'Shea has taught throughout his time. And hopefully they're going to be things that he can bring to our receiving core. You know, one of the things that has made New England so good over the years is just they've, they run a playbook. And what I mean by that is there's no game planning for only one or two formations against New England. I mean, they do everything from that, that, I set to the ISO to the five wide receiver set to three tight ends, all going out for routes. There's just so much to game plan against, which which makes it very difficult. But most importantly, everyone knows their job and everyone executes. So when I look at just the history of how they've done things, they've always spread the ball around. And that's not just in the passing game. That's also in the running game. So would I expect to see something similar this year? Absolutely. I think it's going to be something different from what we're used to as Dolphins fans. You know, over the last two years, um, Kenyon Drake has, has kind of split a lot of carries. And I know a lot of us, myself included, were lobbying for him to get the ball a little bit more. And I think that he definitely still will this year. But I, I think there's going to be a heavier rotation than there might have been in the past where it was just, you know, him and Gore last year, etc. I, I think there's going to be maybe Ballage gets involved. Maybe there's somebody else that kind of steps up. Um, but I definitely think it's going to be a higher volume offense in general. You know, one of the things that, that kind of hurt Tannehill a little bit was when you look at the numbers, is he's just, he's, there's never been a high volume offense. You know, he might have games where he finishes with a 75% completion percentage and two touchdowns, but he's only throwing for 180 or 200 yards because he's only put the ball in the air 20, 23, 25, 26 times. So overall, I think that the way our offense is going to run under O'Shea is going to be quicker a little bit. I think it's going to be a lot more higher volume plays, a lot more short slant routes, a lot more short passes, passes at the line, a lot more, um, you know, sweeps with the run, just a lot more ways to kind of spread the offense out and get people open. I think he's learned a lot of that up there in New England over this past decade, and I think he's going to continue here. And when I look at, you know, kind of the players that we have in place to do that, like, you know, first and foremost, we talk about wide receivers. We do have, as I mentioned, you know, last time we talked, we do have Devontae Parker on roster still. Um, Dola is, is another possibility to, to keep around this year and somebody that we probably should keep around this year. Um, hopefully we see a ton more out of Jozicki. You know, I, I know he's a tight end, but I could see him being used very much in the mold that Gronkowski was used up there in New England over these last couple of years. And we have some depth at, at tight end too that can catch the ball. I don't necessarily know if they're the best blockers in the world, but you know, we re-signed Nick O'Leary to that deal. Like we, we have some talent there. Um, but getting back to the receivers for a second, I mean, even look at just guys like Isaiah Ford, who I think could get a much bigger chunk in this offense. Uh, hopefully, Jakeem Grant, right? I, I think I can speak for most of my fellow Doll fans that I that I know personally, saying we're, we're very excited about Jakeem Grant. Um, we, you know, we love the guy, and we hope that the team finds a way to have him back on a, on a, a deal that makes both player and team happy. Um, obviously, fits our salary cap. Kenny Stills is still here uh, for now. You know, I'm I'm a very outspoken, not fan of Kenny Stills, so we'll see what happens. Um, I don't picture him being a big part of our offense, and even if he does make it through the year, I, I don't picture him being here in the long term. I just really don't. And then the guy we all want back, right, Albert Wilson, he ain't going nowhere. Hopefully he's healing up. Albert, if you can hear me, buddy, man, t take it slow. Hopefully you're healing up. We can't wait to have you back on the field. So going over these these guys and just kind of where we're at as a team, um, I don't, I don't think anybody in their right mind sees us going out and getting a receiver in the first round of the draft. 
we, you know, we talked about this before, um, and I'm probably going to talk about this a little deeper maybe next time around, but I really did think the Dolphins' plan was to kind of hold out and grab some talent this year and then draft a quarterback in 2020. That being said, Kyler Murray's situation is extremely interesting. Um, he has just declared today, might have been yesterday, but I found out about it today, that he is all on board um, and is committing to being an NFL quarterback. He is not going to go play baseball, uh, at least for now. So that's interesting. You know, when you have somebody really at that level of raw talent, it's very hard to not look at them. You know, is he the most NFL-ready quarterback? Absolutely not. But when you look at how some of these younger, talented guys that are just freak athletes, but more importantly, have a passion for the game, you look at a Baker Mayfield, you look at Deshaun Watson, the way some of these guys have really just stepped on and tore it up right away. It's very, very hard to just write him off, especially this early in the pre-draft process. Yes, combine's coming. Yes, pro days are coming. Like all these things will be down the road. And there is, I think, a really big chance that if he's available or even if a, a friendly, you know, Dolphins friendly trade comes along to move up a couple spots to get him, I do definitely think it's a possibility right now. That being said, we have two months plus till the draft. Lots of things could change. I mean, to kick his Terry ACL tomorrow, we could be talking about something completely different. But for the most part, um, Moving on, I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks there's a chance we draft a receiver in the first round, or maybe even the second round. You know, especially with some of the holes we have on the defensive line, and as deep as the talent is uh, for defensive linemen in this draft, I think Flores is going to stick to what he does best, and that, that's run the defense. I think we're going to still go heavy after the D-tackle position in the first round, maybe shore up the offensive line of the corner position in the second and third, but really off the rails there. Overall, we have about $10 million in cap space right now that could possibly contribute to bringing in some help at receiver if we find somebody out there we deem fit. Now, a couple things to think about when we talk about the cap space that we have. There are some moves that we could make now as a team in order to free up that cap space. Now, some of them are going to seem like they're common sense, but a couple things to consider, right? So Tannehill. Everybody knows the deal. Tannehill is probably not going to be back as a Dolphin. The only way he does come back as a Dolphin at this point is if no one offers anything for him and he decides to sign an extremely team-friendly restructuring of this contract. Pretty much have to be a new contract. You couldn't even call it a restructuring, to be honest with you. It would have to be something very, very low, and we would have to not get a hold of Kyler Murray, which would mean that that Tannehill decision probably wouldn't happen in a timely manner, which would make it even more sense that we just cut him and move on with it. Like there's, there's so much at play with that particular thing. That it just, it can't happen. So as of right now, um, I'm reading over the which is my preferred site when I want to look at salary cap issues and things like that and how it would affect the teams in the NFL. So as of right now, it's looking like if we cut Tannehill as a, as a pre June 1st designation, um, we could save a little over 13 million on the cap. Now, that's a huge number when we only have $10 million free. Uh, I think that's that one's going to be kind of common sense. If we can't find a, a, a place to trade him, he's going to get cut. But just food for thought, it's, it's far from guaranteed, right? Like anything is in the NFL until it's done. Unfortunately, the next probable cap casualty is going to be Robert Quinn. So right now, I mean, cutting Robert Quinn, there'd be no dead money associated with it. We'd save a potential $13 million. Now, I know what a lot of people are going to say, you know, Quinn played pretty well for us last year, and that's true. But just quite frankly, at his age, um, for what he's able to produce, 
unless Flores really, really thinks that he's going to super excel in the next system, it's going to be hard to justify that money if we're trying to make some moves to bring in some star players. Now, we may not be, right? Like, we may be fully committed to going into the season with the draft picks that we have and what we can do, you know, financially feasible um, and lean towards drafting at North quarterback in 2020. That, like, that may happen. Personally, with the way Quinn has played, I would love to see him stick around on the team, maybe possibly sign an extension for way less money than he's making now. It, you know, it wouldn't be worth it to pay him almost $13 million a year, I don't believe. Now, where he's at in his career at his age, is he going to be willing to sign for less than that when there's a potential team that's maybe Super Bowl ready or Super Bowl bound that has some cap space left over that could throw him a one-year deal for for money along that range? I don't know. You know, maybe a team like the Saints comes around and throws that money at him or a team like the Chiefs or whoever it is, you know, maybe even the Patriots, God forbid. So just kind of food for thought there. You know, I would love to see Quinn stay this year. He is going to be one of the big ones people talk about in terms of cutting for some additional cap space. But again, I really think that only makes sense if we're looking to spend big this year, which currently I, I don't believe we are. The next one down the list, and this is one that kind of gets interesting. Uh, we're looking at probably Devontae Parker. I mean, Kenny Stills, we could potentially save about $4 million cutting him. But I mean, Parker is... is a little over nine. So we picked up that option last year, um, which was a curious kind of move based on the production and things we've seen from him. Very interesting. Um, I don't know if that means that we thought maybe we were going to be able to get a little more out of him if we switched coaching staffs and things like that, which obviously we did. But either way, it's a lot of money for a receiver that is at his production levels. And if we are trying to make a huge splash, I could see us doing that. Now, again, we're not super deep at the receiving core, and we saw that last year when we had injuries to Jakeem Grant. We had injuries to Albert Wilson. So do I think it's the smartest move in the world? I don't know. You know, Parker has shown that he can step up and take over a game when he's given the opportunity. And maybe with O'Shea coming in, he becomes that guy that we always thought he could be. Again, if we lose Tannehill, we're already looking at about $23 million in cap space. And while that's not an astronomical number... I don't know what kind of splashes we're trying to make this year that we would really need a bunch more money. So does that happen? Maybe. Um, but I, I don't, you know, the only way I see that happening is if we do go out and land another pretty solid receiver in free agency. Next, you got Andre Branch. I mean, Branch, you know, we, look, I'm not going to rag on Branch too much. You know, I like Branch. I think he's a solid player. Is he worth what we're paying him? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I don't see that. A, that's a cut. A, I, we're not going to do that. I just don't see it. Right. Like I would love for us to land somebody big uh, in the draft, like a future defensive tackle, star, stud, baller to replace Sue. If that happens, awesome. But we're not going to cut branch pre-draft on the hopes of that happening, especially off the strength that like we just we don't have a lot of other strong players on the D-line. So is he elite? Is he a pro baller? No. Is he a guy that's going to help us going forward? Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's really it. Like, I, I don't. We're not going to cut Kiko, Josh Sitton, probably not. Especially with you know the fact that he was one of the few players that actually played well when he was healthy on the, the O line last year. And Amendola, I mean, certainly not. Right for the for the six million we're paying him, that's that's basically a deal. You know, especially when you look at some of the other wide receivers and stuff that are out there and what they're making. Even guys on our own team, like you know, Kenny Stills making nine million, almost ten million this year versus Amendola at six. Like, it, it he's affordable. So. 
I, I mean, outside of that, if we are talking about cap space and potentially freeing up some money, it's it's to bring in some offensive players. While that may be something we do on the O-line, I don't really see us touching running back too much. There's a chance we bring back Gore. If not, then yeah, we probably want to try to bring someone in to compete with, not necessarily compete with, that's, that's not the right word. So that's my bad. I shouldn't have said that. Where he's not going to compete with Kenyon Drake, but to, to split carries with Kenyon Drake. You know, I just talked about moving the ball around a lot more and spreading it around and having a higher volume offense. I think Drake is going to end up touching the ball more than he did last year because the amount of times he touched the ball last year was, quite frankly, fucking ridiculous, right? It was ridiculously low. But with a higher volume offense, there's going to be more touches around for everybody. So maybe that means Bailage touches the ball a little bit more. Maybe there's a chance we go out and get like a bruiser goal line guy. Hey, CJ Anderson's name's being thrown around a lot. I don't know what kind of money CJ Anderson is going to command, um, but I, I can't imagine it's ridiculous, you know, and, and running backs are pretty affordable in, in today's market. Uh, you just look at the whole Le'Veon Bell situation. That's why he didn't get an offer last year. So if we're not talking about O-line, we're not talking about receiver, we're not talking about, I'm sorry, we're not talking about quarterback, we're not talking about running back, we're talking about receiver. So I do think receiver is a position where we might want to spend some money this offseason. I think cornerback and receiver specifically, uh, and then de-tackle, but again, I think we can pick that up in the draft. So looking at some of the receivers that are going to be available this year, and the list isn't crazy. So, you know, obviously number one on the list is possibly Antonio Brown. For those of you following, there's a big chance that Pittsburgh trades him this year, as they typically have shown to, to kind of move on from the more problem players, despite the fact that he's, you know, the best receiver in the league. I don't think there's a lot of argument in that. But but are we in the Antonio Brown sweepstakes? Absolutely not. Number one, we can't afford to pay him. Number two, that's not the New England way. You know, look at the guys we brought in here. They don't they don't typically give up the bank for players like that. And number three, like, what kind of ammunition is Pittsburgh going to want? Now, Pittsburgh is a team that has shown in the past that they don't necessarily hold the player hostage for, a, you know, a ridiculously high pick or anything like that. But I think we saw in the Le'Veon Bell situation, they, they do also know what their players are worth. I don't think Brown is commanding anything less than a first and maybe a third on top of that. Um, if not, you know, a first and a second or multiple first or, you know, some players being involved. So, uh, like, we're just, we're out there. It's not going to happen. Uh, that being said, like, looking down the list a little bit of some players that are going to be free agents. Golden Tate probably tops the list as the most talented one. You know, he's on the wrong side of 30, and he's coming off a situation in Philly where he wasn't super successful after they traded him. But I also think that, you know, he's shown enough over his career in Seattle and in Detroit that I think he's a very good player. And I think that a receivers coach or an offensive coordinator, I should say, like O'Shea could get a lot out of him. But again, it's going to depend on how much money he wants. You know, with the, with the money we have tied up in some of these other guys, we're not going to go out and spend 10, 11, 12 million on a guy like Golden Tate. You know, if he's willing to settle for eight or nine, it's definitely a possibility. Um, but what's that look like, especially for someone his age? Does he want a long-term deal? Because it might be the last one he has the ability to get. You know, not sure. Robbie Anderson from the Jets is on the list. I mean, he's restricted. They're probably going to resign him. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Like, I think, you know, one of the only reasons he's had production is because he's really been the only option out there. Um, you know, I'm going through a list of potential guys. I really just don't see, like, <sighs> Brown from the Ravens. He's had some injuries. Again, I don't know what kind of money he's going to be commanded. And quite frankly, he's almost 30 years old already. Like, he hasn't exactly broken out. Now, part of that might have to do with the fact that the Ravens' offense is just 
never really been great since Joe Flacco's been there. But I don't see us breaking a bank for a guy like that. Um, maybe a guy like Jamison Crowder if the Redskins don't resign him. But I, I think they probably will. Um, Kelvin Benjamin's out there. He's been a guy that's not, I don't want to say lazy, but he's had some off the field conditioning issues and stuff like that for his career. I think if anyone remembers the pictures where he ballooned up with the Panthers to like 480 pounds or some crazy shit like that. Like I, I don't know if, uh, guys that want discipline, like the new England style are going to bring him in. Uh, the chargers have a pair. Travis Benjamin might be a cap casualty. Uh, and one of the Williams is out there. We'll see. Like, I don't think they're going to lose both of them. Maybe one. But they're an option. I mean, there's a ton of guys on that on that shorter side of the list. One that's very interesting to me is Randall Cobb. You know, I've I've been a big Randall Cobb fan since he's been in the league, and injuries have really kind of plagued him the last couple of years. But he's also playing in that outdoor, cold weather Green Bay climate. You know, I think some some sun in Miami might do him some good. And I also think we could get him on a pretty cheap contract. You know, he's a guy that I think has a lot left in the tank. He's he's still under thirty. But we'll see. I mean, I don't think he was strictly a product of playing with Aaron Rodgers. I think he was very talented. In fact, if I remember right, I think his, his first game, he was the the first player in the league born in 1990. I remember hearing, like, the stat, which made me fall to shit because I was born in 1990 and I wasn't playing. But I think in that game, he, like, returned a kick or a touchdown and had, like, two other touchdowns. Like, the guy can ball. So, I mean, I mean really... I don't see a lot of other great ones. I think maybe Jordan Matthews uh, from the Eagles may be a possibility for the right price. But one that's super, super interesting to me. Well, I'll say two that are super interesting to me um, because they've shown to be really good throughout their time. And just these guys coming from New England that have a history of, you know, utilizing great players, you know, maybe past their prime to, to be role-playing guys. So the first one is going to be Des Bryant. Now, I know what a lot of people are thinking. Really didn't play last year at all. And he proved, you know, that that old adage, if you do need training camp with the conditioning, right, when he gets the contract, comes in and tears his ACL. I'm not saying we pay him $14, $15 million a year to be our number one guy. I'm saying if he's willing to accept a reasonable contract, I think he could he could be very good in the rotation. He's a player that has shown, you know, time and time again, he, he knows how to go fight for the ball. He's just, he's athletically a freak talented. And if we can get him cheap, why not? I think the Saints had the right idea, what they did with him last year. Um, and then the other one that's, I don't know if you would say kind of along those lines, but I think Demarius Thomas becomes a cap casualty out there in Texas. Um, I think that, I mean, look, Houston has to pay J.J. Watt. They have to pay Jadavian Clowney. They have to pay DeAndre Hopkins, who might be the second best receiver in football behind Antonio Brown. Matter of fact, he is the second best receiver behind Antonio Brown. We got their quarterback may end up being the highest played one ever in Deshaun Watson. You know, just the way quarterback's pay scales work when his contract happens to be up, he's going to be the next guy and he's going to get a huge fucking deal if he continues on the, the path that he's on now. Like, I don't think they're going to give Thomas the, the long term money. I mean, that's remember, that's why Denver shipped him out in the first place is they couldn't give him the money. And quite frankly, although Thomas has shown over the years that he does have the talent to be, you know, a number one receiver in the league, number one, he's he's older now. And I'm not sure that talent's quite there. And number two, and this may just be kind of my bias, but like throughout my career watching him, you know, even back to his career, not my fucking career, I'm not playing. But, you know, you look back to that playoff game against the Steelers with Tim Tebow. When everyone's like, oh, Tebow won. Demarius Thomas won that freaking game. 
think he had like 180 yards or something on four catches, and most of it was after catch. Like, he he's a physically big, huge guy that has never played like a big, huge guy. Like, I talked about Golden Tate a couple minutes ago. Golden Tate is nowhere near Thomas's size, and I think is a tougher, you know, more physical guy than Thomas is. So just another option that might be out there if he, you know, is available and willing to play for a reasonable salary. I think that, like, these guys in New England have shown for years that they can get more talent out of the players than necessarily the player is talented, if that makes any sense. Like, we don't need to go out and sign the biggest, strongest, fastest, number one Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham type guys for O'Shea's offense and for what O'Shea does with these wide receivers. We can get these guys that have the skill set. They know how to run around. They're smart football players. They have good hands, and they're going to fight for the yardage and fight for the ball, and we can be extremely successful. So just a couple names, right, that, that may pop in and on that list. Really, I got to be honestly and truly, like, I hope that our main, you know, our, our one, two, and three receivers next year are Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, and Mike Josicki. Like, I really do. I hope all three of those guys really step up in our roles. And I would love to see Parker just absolutely dominate, finally get his shit together, and become the true number one guy for the Dolphins. But I think that's a little bit more far-fetched at this point. You know, as much as I think Parker is ridiculously talented, I just, you only have so many strikes. Yes, there's been some injuries. Yes, there's some other questionable things. So we'll see what happens. Like, whether he was truly hurt for some of his games last year, the coaching staff was just sitting him, I don't know. If they were, how much of that is the coaching staff? How much of that is on Parker for what he does? I, you know, I don't know. You know, I, personally, like, I, we heard the stories of right before Albert Wilson got hurt in that game, you know, there was a trade on the table to send him to Philly. He was supposedly cleaning out his locker after that game before they got the, the Albert Wilson news. So who knows? Right. Like I was hyped on him when we drafted him. I still think he has the talent to be a great receiver in this league. You know, we look at a guy like Deion Jordan, who was an absolute failure here in Miami. And part of that was because of the injury. Part of that was because of the PEDs, et cetera, et cetera. But he goes up to Seattle, granted on a much reduced salary, and he's become a pretty solid role player. Now, a pretty solid role player isn't what you want out of somebody that's number three overall. But Philbin and Gase clearly couldn't figure out how to make it work with the kid. Now, Philbin and Gase are also not the shining examples of what you want as a coach. So maybe Flores No Shade can come in, install some tough mentality, and get Parker going. And this receiver conversation looks a lot different. I mean, if that's the case, and they think there's some potential, and they think they can do it, I, I hope they sign him to a you know a two or three year deal before you know he turns out and blows up. Because I'd hate to have to pay him ridiculous because he happens to blow up in a contract year. But it is what it is. Um, again, I think that hopefully Grant starting back on a team, Albert Wilson back healthy, Chilsicki, I think that those guys can really step up this year. And I think with the volume of passes and stuff that are that are going to come out of this offense, hopefully, they can really do it and they can stand apart. I mean, that's, that's really all I got on the personnel front. I just, you know, I want to reiterate, like, I think that we're going to have a defensive and offensive renaissance in Miami that we haven't seen in a while. And here's what I mean by that. You know, throughout the throughout the, the 2000s and, and even the early, like, 2010, 11, 12 years, like, we were a fierce defense. And I truly think that the way Miami can be great again and the way we can go back to a dominant force in the division and the conference is by becoming that defensive team. And I said it before, I'll say it again. I, defense wins championships, and I love the hire of a defensive-minded coach. But 
This guy was a personnel guy first. He's going to bring, oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is so gross. He's going to bring that Patriot way down here. And, and I think O'Shea is going to do that too, of do your job, fight harder, you know, always outplay the talent that you have. I think they're going to find the right guys for the system. I think they're going to find the right guys for the right plays. I would expect to see a lot more of what New England does in terms of bringing players on and off the field than necessarily laying one guy on the field to play every snap. You know, picture Cameron Wake and Charles Harris coming on the field for those pass rushing plays and coming right off for Willie Hayes and Andre Branch to come in for the, the run-stopping plays, right? Like that type of mentality, like bringing in, you know, those extra man corners when you're going to play that 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 man press versus dropping in those, those extra zone guys, right? Like moving Kiko Alonso all around the field on, on offense, having, you know, the, the guys that want to come in and, and, and block for the screen plays being a different set of guys and the guys that are going to come in for the spread offense when you're throwing down the field. Like that type of mentality uh, is what I expect to see out of these guys. And hopefully we all see out of these guys. I think Miami can get back to a top 10, hopefully top five defense. And I think that with the right person under center, who, hey, maybe that's Kyler Murray, maybe it's not, but even a serviceable guy like potentially a Tyrod Taylor, who I talked about before as a potential option for a stopgap. If we're running that that offense with the talent we already have in some of these positions and we can plug one or two good players in on that offensive line, I don't think there's any reason we can't take this team that rightfully, you know, with a good coach should have already been a 9, 10, 11, 12 win team. Um, and get them there, and get them there consistently, and then build for the future with some great players, and hopefully take over this damn division in the next couple of years. That's all I got for you guys today, man. Love y'all. You know, I know we're all a little sad a week later still that the Patriots won, but hey, we got the draft coming up in the future. We got a lot of great stuff coming on. Just got announced today for sure that Miami is playing in Dallas on Thanksgiving. I'll be there. Hopefully some other DWA guys will be there. I know some of the super fans uh, Finn Sticky, Gorilla Luke, shout out to you guys. Shout out to everybody in the deep end. Hopefully we're going to travel well for that game. We're already making plans. So until next time, guys, Finn's up.